We are a nation of overachievers. We didn't just send an astronaut to the moon. We gave him a buggy with big old knobby tires to drive on that moon. A freaking moon buggy. So why have we settled for mints that only cover up bad breath instead of getting rid of it? We deserve better, like breath savers. It's a moon-shooting, buggy-riding mint with Nutrazen, which is scientifically proven to neutralize bad breath. Breath savers. It's the overachieving mint. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the first Phil Steele podcast here on philsteele.com. Now, I've done a lot of podcasts. Uh, over the summer, I've probably... I don't even know how many of the radio shows were actually podcasts. How many of the podcasts were actually radio shows, but done a lot of them, uh, always with a host. So it's the first time I'm doing it without a host. Uh, also, the first one that we've done right here on philsteel.com. Very pleased to be uh, able to take calls, uh, answer your calls right here on the podcast. I can remember back about four years ago, I didn't even know what Twitter was, and now we have 102,000 followers on Twitter. So I'm a pretty fast learner, and hopefully we'll be able to to really uh, get the podcast rolling here. We're going to talk college football, lots of college football. And the good thing is the difference with this podcast and then a lot of the other ones across the country, you can ask me about any of the 128 college football teams and I should be able to answer your questions. During the season, we'll be answering questions about what happened last week, what will happen in the upcoming weeks, uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun doing the, the podcast. And the big thing I do is it gets me the interaction with you guys. I get to answer your questions, and uh, it's always a lot of fun for me. So this first podcast uh, is one where we are going to take some calls and go through the line. I'll tell you a little bit first off about, uh, you know, as far as the magazine process went this year. Uh, the magazine, we actually started the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And what happens is, uh, during the course of the football season, uh, we get stories from each team, and each uh, we get articles all season long. Well, after the Sunday after Thanksgiving, some team season are complete, so I'm able to go through, and we have a report printed off, which gets me all the information on uh, each of those teams, and I read through it again. Now, I've watched their games during the course of the season. I'm very familiar with them, but it gives me a little refresher of what happened back in weeks one, two, three, and the entire season. Uh, that's when we do the first write-through of the magazine and establish the preliminary set of my nine sets of power ratings. The second write-through of the magazine happens in the spring. Uh, that is my pre-spring write-up. We get the all the signees are inputted into it. Uh, we get the uh, latest uh, transfers for the teams, uh, all the things that have happened since the season ended last uh, year. We put that on there. And uh, then the third one is the post-spring write-up. And there I've watched the post-spring games. I've watched all the spring games, gotten all the uh, write-up uh, from the games, and uh, go through that. So it's a, a lot of work put into the magazine. I personally invested about 2,000 hours into it. Staff invested over 10,000 hours into the magazine. And it really is a labor of love. When you get your magazine, the beautiful thing about it is, uh, all the information is on the same spot of every page for every team. It's the quickest, easiest reference you can possibly have. In fact, it even blows away the Internet. When you look at the Internet, you know, if I give you a list of 10 questions, and we're going to do this on philsteel.com uh, as one of the blogs coming up, if I gave you a list of 10 different questions 
uh, to answer during the college or for the college football season. Then you had the choice of going on the internet and looking it up, or doing it in Phil Steele uh, magazine. You'd be able to answer those questions in the magazine, probably in about thirty seconds. And what would take you on the internet at least five minutes by the time you got to ten different websites and found the information you were looking for. So all the information, same spot every team, uh, complete complete coverage out there. Now, as far as the uh, the podcast goes, uh, I think we'll eventually get it to where it's streaming live, and you'll be able to listen to it live each and every week. Uh, and that'll be a little nice advantage to have. You can get that on the philsteel.com website. You can also get it on a new website we've started, which is Steel's Weekly Preview. Now, the Steel's Weekly Preview uh, website has a lot of great football information, but I see I just got my... Well, we got the first caller being screened here. Once again, first podcast. Give me a break, guys. But, uh, yeah, the Steel's weekly preview site has got Inside the Press Box newsletter on there, and it's uh, probably a little more friendly Internet site. I think you're going to enjoy that. It's called steelsweeklypreview.com. Uh, when you go there, you can uh, get all the latest information uh, for the upcoming week. Uh, the thing I love about Inside the Press Box is the projected box score for each game. You'd be amazed how many times when you go through the box score how many projections are within uh, 25 yards. But let's go to the first caller. It's John from New York. So let's uh, go ahead and head to that caller. John from New York, you're on with Phil Steele. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, John. How are you? First caller, by the way, John. Congratulations. You are the first ever caller to the podcast. That's something you can uh, hold on for when we're doing this podcast 10 years from now, you could say I was the first one to call. So I appreciate no that. No way. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's exciting stuff. Hey, Phil, I'm here in New York, and I'm kind of a Boston College fan. And I was just wondering, how much of an impact do you think that Patrick Tolles is going to have at quarterback for Boston College this year, considering their offense was eh, so Feeble. bad last year? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a great question, John. And, you know, I talked to Coach Adazio uh, this summer, and uh, the good news is we went over that quarterback position, and uh, you look at last year, everything that could go wrong went wrong. They had guys playing quarterback. They had no business playing quarterback last year. Five different QBs got starts. Uh, But when I talked to Adazio this summer, he really likes what he sees out of Patrick Tolles. He's a guy that transferred from Kentucky. He fits the system extremely well. He's a big kid. He's got one of the strongest arms that uh, Adazio has seen. He's physical, and he's a pretty good athlete. I think he's adapted well to the system. Uh, Last year they had Darius Wade was going to be the starter, and I think Darius Wade would have done a good job. Uh, He's a solid backup, but I think Patrick Toll is going to step in, and BC is going to have one of the most improved offenses in the country. They'll improve by at least a touchdown per game, if not more this year. Well, I was I was hoping you would say that, Phil. I'm telling you because I I have a real good feeling about the kid. I got to tell you. Yeah, and I like the supporting cast as well. The defense is good. Adazio's a solid uh, head coach, and uh, like I said, Tolls I think is the perfect fit for the system. And when he graduates, I think Darius Wade's going to be a pretty good quarterback next year as well. Uh, that's great. Hey, Phil, the defense. You think it's going to be as good this year as it was last year? Well, they do lose Jim Reed, the defensive, or Jim Reed's a new defensive coordinator, I should say. They lose their defensive coordinator, Don Brown, to Michigan. So you wonder a little bit there. But uh, you look at the talent they have coming back this season. Boston College got seven starters back on defense. Uh, guys like uh, Harold Landry, Milano, Strachan at the linebacker spot. They look to be pretty stingy in the defensive front seven. Now, statistically, it's going to be tough to match last year. I mean, when you only allow 254 yards per game, 
in this era of fast-paced, hurry-up offenses, nobody allows 254 yards per game. So be tough to match those stats. They do have the uh, you know the one double A team on there in Wagner. Uh, they've got some teams where they can shut down, but uh, statistically they might not be there. But I think actually on the field they should be just as good as last year's Boston College team. Uh, well, Phil, uh, thanks for thanks for your input and uh, real nice talking to you. Hey, John, it was great. And uh, once again, make sure you remember first ever caller on the podcast. Really appreciate you being on today. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna remind people of that some someday. So, uh, Phil, have a good day and go Eagles. All right, thanks for the call, John. Appreciate okay. it. Bye bye. Well, that was great. It was John from uh, from New York was the first ever caller on the podcast. Appreciate that, and hopefully we're going to be uh, lighting them up pretty soon, uh, answering your questions here on philsteel.com. But as mentioned, the uh, the Steel's weekly preview website uh, is going to have the inside the press box newsletter on there, and also something you know to talk to you about, which is on philsteel.com. If you're like me and you need all the latest information, and you've ever checked out those team pages on philsteel.com. Uh, the team pages are loaded with information, and they're updated each week during the season. In fact, Sunday morning, we've got them updated from the Saturday night games, and they're color-coded at green and red. Now, we can't do that in the magazine, but I love it the fact that on the website, we can color-code them in green and red, and um, uh, what that shows is the good and the bad. And you could just glance at a team page on philsteel.com, and see where the good areas are and where the bad areas are. If a team's been allowing five yards per carry on the defensive side of the ball, you'll see a whole slew of red numbers down that line. And it uh, really gives you strengths and weaknesses, gives you matchups. We are turning it over to a Phil Steele Plus now for the uh, upcoming season. This is the first podcast. Uh, I could tell you that this week, Phil Steele Plus for the entire football season, just $29. And, guys, I mean, you go to a ball game. And by the time you buy three beers and, and tip the vendor, you've gone through 30 bucks right there. And, and this is like getting three beers at a ball game. It's $29 for an entire football season to get to Phil Steel Plus. We're going to have things up there like the team pages completely updated. I'll even uh, open the curtain a little bit to my power ratings. I have nine sets of power ratings. I'll show you the forecast maybe on five, six, seven, eight, or even nine of the different teams up there uh, for the power ratings uh, during the season. For you guys that like to see who you think is going to win, this gives you a little uh, basis of the uh, the power ratings. We're going to go back in the, the results. You know the results that you have on the bottom of the page in Phil Steele Magazine, which is the last five years? We're going to give you the last 40 years eventually. We'll have the last 20, 20 years up there right now, but by the end of the year we should have the last 40 years results. So you want to know any game, what happened in the last 40 years. I'm talking about since 1976. It'll be up there on Phil Steele Plus. So power ratings, you can get our updated pass efficiency defense ratings, updated special teams ratings, really give you all the latest information. Now, a lot of updated information as well in the Inside the Press Box newsletter, which is available uh, over there on Steele's Weekly Preview. And like I said, I think you're going to love that site. If you call into the show, you can talk to our producer, Jim. He's got a big part of the Steel's Weekly Preview news uh, website, and you can talk to him about uh, what you'd like to see on there and any improvements we can make there. We're always trying to make it the very best we can make it. And uh, so we've got a lot of things to cover. Let's start off today. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick little preview on a conference that's really up, and it is the American Conference, the uh, the AAC. And you look at the, the teams that are in the group of five, this is the one that's really got the 
the best ratings. You look at last year, you had a lot of teams that were stars. Houston was a team that finished in the top ten. And actually, we're starting to get a few calls here. So as soon as a call pops in, I will be taking that. But you've got Houston as a team that – Finished in the top ten last year. Navy, of course, had that tremendous double-digit win season. Memphis at one point was 7-0, and including a win over Old Miss. And then you're looking at, in the other division, Temple had that big game against Notre Dame. So a lot of big things there. But uh, we're going to head to a caller right here and see what we got going on. I don't have a name on the caller, so we'll just go ahead right to him. Oh, actually, we're going to go over here. And I am going to go to Jeff from Connecticut. Jeff from Connecticut, uh, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Phil? Good, Jeff. Good. Question. As a Clemson fan, I know they're losing a lot of guys on their defense in this upcoming season, but I also know they're getting a lot of young guys coming in. Just wondering, how worried should I be and how they stack up compared to last year's defense? All right. Great question. Appreciate the call today, by the way, Jeff. Uh, when Thanks. I look at the – when I look at Clemson's defense, you know, last year, I have to be honest with you, they only had three returning starters. They lost a lot of guys. And I said, this defense is going to be weaker and definitely much weaker than it was in 2014. But I was off there. They went from allowing 261 yards per game to 313. Not bad, especially with only three returning starters. So this year, they do have only four returning starters, but the talent is really being upgraded. You look at a guy like Dexter Lawrence, who's a number two uh defensive lineman coming out of uh, high school this year. He's 6'5", 340 pounds. I think he ends his, works his way into the starting lineup by midseason and really gives him some bulk in the middle. Uh, you take a look at a Christian Wilkins, a defensive end. Carlos Watkins, a defensive tackle. Uh, ben Bolware, one of the better linebackers in the country. And then Cordrea Tankersley, one of the best defensive backs. They've got good, talented players coming in. Most of them are better numbers. A lot of VHTs on this defense and what they had been getting. So I think the the bottom line is when you look at Clemson's defense, you would normally expect a team that has just four returning starters to take a big drop. If you look at the front of the magazine, uh, we have got Clemson going from 313 yards per game allowed to 328. Not bad. Still a legitimate top 20 defense, allowing just 23 points per game. And when you team that with the best offense in the country, which Clemson has this year, it should be in pretty good shape. I think they're one of the five elite teams in the country this year. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. All right, Jeff, really appreciate the call today. All right, there we go. All right, let's take a look. Uh, we got Toby from Rhode Island. Toby, right, let me get the – got to hit the little speakerphone there. Toby from Rhode Island, how are you doing today? Hey, Phil, I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. All right, glad to hear. Hey, quick question about uh, – any non-Power 5 team has a legit shot at making the playoffs? You know, this year there is actually one. You really can't go back and say that in past years. And here's the thing with the group of five teams. Uh, you know, a lot of folks point to the schedule and they say, wow, they're taking on three Power 5 teams in their non-conference slate. But bottom line is the Power 5 teams are taking on some eight or some nine or some ten or even some play 11. So, you know, the Power 5 teams play a lot tougher schedule. But here's the scenario this year, which is the perfect situation for a group of five team to actually make the playoffs, and it's the Houston Cougars. When you look at Houston, first of all, they're a solid team. They've got Greg Ward Jr. back at quarterback. Uh, The offense is going to be loaded this year. Defensively, you know, when I talked to Coach Herman last spring, they basically went one deep on the defense. 
then this year they uh, go deeper on the defense. They've got six all-conference players in the defensive front seven, potential all-conference players, I should say. So they're a stronger team than they were last year. Now, they open up with Oklahoma. Let's paint this scenario. Yeah. They beat o- Let's say they beat Oklahoma in the opening game of the season. They'll be favored in all the rest of their games this year. Now, let's take Oklahoma. They'll be favored in all the rest of their games. So if Houston goes 12-0, and wins out and has a win over Oklahoma, Oklahoma goes 11-1, and wins the Big 12, and you're the committee member, and you're trying to put the best team in the playoffs, you basically give Houston the Big 12 spot because Houston beat Oklahoma head-to-head. They're undefeated. They have the better record. And Houston would enter its taste, steal the Big 12 spot and enter the playoffs. Now, for the record, I've got Oklahoma beating Houston in that game. But if the Cougars win that game, this year we actually have a team with a legitimate shot from the group of five of making the playoffs. Wow. So Houston, you think has, you think have a shot to beat Oklahoma, or you think that's going to be a blowout? I think they have a shot. When you, as I mentioned, you know, last year they beat Florida State in the bowl game, thirty-eight to twenty-four, and played pretty gall- yeah. pretty well in that one. And and uh, you know, granted they weren't getting Florida State's A game, but Oklahoma's got a big game coming up against Oklahoma, uh, against Ohio State. So Oklahoma better be prepared for that one because Houston's a pretty good team. I agree. All right. Hey, so when can, All right, uh, well, when can we listen to this? When can we listen to this podcast? Any idea? Should be up a little bit later on this afternoon. Yeah, so uh, dude, make sure you check out the check out philsteel.com and Toby. Really appreciate the call here on the first podcast on philsteel.com. No problem, Phil. Looking forward to listening. Thanks. Have a good. All right, we go to another caller, and up right now we have Brock from Orlando. Brock, how are you doing today? Good, Phil. How are you? I am doing great. Uh, my question was with the wide open Pac-12 South. What do you think about Arizona State maybe pulling a little bit of a surprise and uh, taking that conference? All right. You know, last year Arizona State disappointed a lot of their backers. Uh, I think coming into the oh, season. Oh, me as well. <laughs> yeah. Arizona State fans were thinking uh, we're going to make the playoffs. And uh, as it turned out, it was a extremely disappointing year that ended 6-7, and seven, a sour bowl game loss to West Virginia. And it uh, didn't work out. And then you look at this year, they only have 10 returning starters, so they're picked pretty low. In fact, they're picked by the media as low as fifth in the Pac-12 South. But I do think they have the potential to be that surprise team this year. But uh, Todd Graham's going to have to channel his inner Bill Snyder, which uh, Bill Snyder's the best coach out there at bringing in JUCO prospects and getting them productive in the first year. Generally, a JUCO comes in, takes them about a year to get up to speed of college ball, then they have a big second year. Well, I love the JUCOs that Todd Graham's brought in. He's brought a lot of talent, a lot of speed. You look at him defensively, I think some of these guys are going to step in and play right away. Subtle up at the defensive end, double spot, I think, given that pass rusher they need. And then teamed with some solid players like they already have with JoJo Wicker, Tayshawn Smallwood, and Fiso at the linebacker spot. Uh, I think the defense is going to be stronger than last year, especially last year they gave up 464 yards per game. Now, offensively, the weapons are there. You look Richard and Balage at the running back spot, some talented receivers. Tim White should be one of those difference makers at the receiver. Uh, the offensive line's a little young. They only have one returning starter. Probably going to need a Juco or two to step in there. But when you look at USC this year, they play the toughest schedule in the country. Uh, Utah's a team that has some tough road games. And when you look at Arizona State, I do have an underdog at USC, at Oregon, at Washington this year. Now, if they can steal one of those three games, then they become a contender because they get UCLA at home. 
they get Utah at home this year, and the Arizona game, not much of a road trip for them, and the road team's done pretty well in that one. So add it all up. I didn't pick them to win the Pac-12 South. I did go with UCLA, but I think uh, Arizona State does have that legitimate shot to uh, to contend for it. And, you know, I love bounce backs bounce-back teams, Brock. They're teams that uh, had high expectations the previous year that underachieved, and then everybody sort of throws them under the bus next year. They're completely under the radar, and I've seen those bounce-back teams do extremely well. So if you're a Sun Devil fan, hope for the JUCOs to be productive early and for that big bounce-back. Cool. Appreciate the call. appreciate the time, Phil. All right. Thank you very much for the call, Brock. Thanks for being part of the first yeah, podcast here. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, so we were talking about the American as we wait for a few more callers to come in. And, uh, you know, the American Conference last year was the best group of five uh, out there. And then Houston held the banner for him in the uh, the play or in the uh, bowl game by beating Florida State uh, 38 to 24 and really controlled that game even more than the final score would indicate. So Houston's a team that right now, as I just touched on uh, a couple callers earlier, has that shot to be the group of five team that actually makes the playoffs this year if the season turns out perfectly for them. Now, if it doesn't turn out perfectly, let's say they lose to Oklahoma, they still have an excellent shot of becoming that top group of five team out there. Uh, you take a look at the rest of their schedule, probably favored in all their games, although they do have to play Cincinnati, Navy, and Memphis all on the road, and those are three of the better teams uh, in the AAC this year. Uh, their main contender probably in the AAC West, and it's, it's amazing. Navy has one returning starter on offense. In fact, they just have uh, six returning starters overall this year. Uh, I have seven in the magazine, but Brandon Clement's no longer on the team, so they're down to six. But even with just six returning starters, uh, you're looking at a Navy team that could surprise some folks this year. 33 Letterman lost, but uh, I think you have to count them as a contender. One advantage the military academies have is that at the start of September, they're up to like 200 players. So they've got a third team, a fourth team, a fifth team, gets them a lot of reps in practice, and really makes them uh, have be surprise teams every year. You stack up the athletic talent they have in the starters, compare them to everybody else. You stack up the experience they have to everybody else. You pick this team in last place. But Nia Matalolo is one of the best head coaches out there. He'll get the most out of this team, and they are a legitimate contender to Houston. Keep in mind, they do get them at home on October the 6th. Then you go to Memphis. You know, we got Paxton Lynch is gone, head coach is gone. They finished out the season poorly last year. I mentioned the 7-0 and start earlier. Then 1-4 and finish for Memphis in the bowl game, just 205 yards against uh, uh, Auburn. They only had 232 yards against Temple. Really struggled in those games. But uh, when you look at Memphis this year, Mike Norvell comes over from Arizona State. He inherits Riley Ferguson, uh, who uh, looked good in the spring. He had 15 to 20 passes for 172 yards. They've got solid running backs with Dorseus and Kraft. Uh, offensive line looks good. And when you look at the schedule this year, I probably have an underdog in four games. I think Memphis has a chance to be a team that's a little under the radar at the start of the year, but should be another quality AA West team. And then for the bottom of the West Conference, you're looking at Tulsa uh, is the next bowl contender with SMU trying to make that step this year. And then it's interesting at Tulane with Willie Fritz coming in there and basically bringing the option in there. That's going to be tough 
for the opposing teams to prepare for, especially on a one-week basis. It's a brand-new offense, and uh, the option is very tough to prepare for. So look for Tulane to pull some surprises. In the East this year, I actually went with Cincinnati. And here's what I like about Cincinnati. First of all, they're one of those under-the-radar teams that we just talked about there. Uh, They're a team that had high expectations last year. The media is picked to win the AAC, and they sort of crashed and burned. Yes, they made it to a bowl game and went 7-6 and on the year, but it was nowhere near the expectations. But this is a team that was minus 19 in turnovers, plus 2.0 in the stock market indicator. And of all the AAC teams, they were plus 167.4 yards per game, which was actually the best in the AAC. Now, they've got two veteran quarterbacks in Gunnar Keel and Hayden Moore. Hopefully Keel's 100% healthy. They've got a solid running back in Mike Boone. Some dangerous receivers. They lose their top four receivers from last year, but they bring in a kid like Jamal Kamara, a transfer from Virginia, who is my number 19 rated receiver out of high school. Avery Peterson was my number 20 rated receiver out of high school, PS number 20, and uh, he's a transfer from LSU, so they are loaded in that area defensively. They have a veteran defense who's going to make some noise there. And then you look at the schedule. This is a team that's 26-5 and at home the last five years. So that's a very good record at home. And then you look at their road games this year. They only face one team on the road all year that had a winning record last year, and that's Temple. They get seven games at home. Six of my nine sets of power ratings are actually calling for Cincinnati to have double-digit wins this year. No better story came out of the East last year than USF. USF's a team that, under Willie Taggart, uh, you know, they went opened up one and three. And Taggart's first two seasons were two and ten and four and eight. Let's face it, the media was growing a little bit weary. Taggart would come out every week and say, I like this team, I like what we're doing, I like the talent, I think we can be successful. Yet after the one and three start I was reading articles saying, uh, you know, okay, Taggart's got his usual uh, very optimistic look as to what's going on, and yet we're sitting here at one and three. Well, guess what? He stuck with it. He, he stayed with his beliefs, and all of a sudden, South Florida went down the stretch, going seven and uh, two down the stretch, dropping their bowl game to go to eight and five. You gotta love the athletic talent they have with Quentin Flowers at the quarterback spot, uh, Marlon Mack at running back, and then a Rodney Adams uh, at the. Um, uh, wide receiver spot. They've got the trifecta you want at the skill positions. They've got all that Florida recruiting talent. They've had the best recruits in the uh, AAC over the last two years. They've got size and speed on the defensive side, and uh, they're going to be one of those teams that, you know, they play a couple big boys early. They play Florida State at home. That's not an easy game for Florida State, and they avoid Houston coming out of the West, and I think South Florida's got a great shot of winning the East as well. Uh, and then there's Temple. Matt Rule's one of the better head coaches out there. Rule's a guy that uh, got them to that great game against Notre Dame. They were number 21 in the country at the time. Uh, they f- were number 20 at the end of their when they went into the uh, the playoffs for the AAC last year and finished out with a great 10 and 4 year. And that was despite a subpar year from PJ Walker. You know, PJ Walker had great expectations last year. Only hit 56.8% with a 19-8 ratio. I expect Walker to revert to his previous form and maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I'm not going to put him up there over Greg Ward, but he's going to complete over 60% of his passes this year. He does make a lot of tough throws during the game. And I think if he returns to the form that was expected last year, you may see good things out of Temple. You look at the uh, the rest of the unit, you know, six starters back on offense, six on defense. And when you look at the schedule, I only have an underdog in two games at Penn State, at Memphis. I've got the Cincinnati game at home, a toss-up. Uh, the South Florida game at home, a toss-up game as well. So it's a Temple team that's a clear-cut contender in the East. And I 
I've underestimated Matt Rule before, and he's uh, always proven to be pretty good. Uh, that 10-win season came a little unexpected. And finally, the the last team that you know to really look at there in the East is Connecticut. And Connecticut is the anti-spread offense team. Everybody's hurry-up, fast-paced, spread offense nowadays. Connecticut's going to two tight ends, slow it down, get your power run game going, and run fewer plays, protect the defense. They do have one of the best defenses in the AAC East. And this year, I think they may make some noise on offense. No, they're not going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the country, but they are going to have a good offense uh, this year. And to go with coupled with that defense, the offense, by the way, has 10 returning starters, including Brian Schreffs. So I think with that improved offense this year, you have to look at Connecticut as a team that finally gets there to that winning record. They haven't had one since 2010. Five straight losing years, although last year they made a bowl and lost in the bowl, which gave them a losing season. So I think Connecticut's uh, the other team that really comes out there. And we get a question here on Twitter today from Ryan Kramer. Now, Ryan's at work, so we couldn't call, and he said, uh, if you had to pick one team who will win more out of this group, who would you take, Utah, Auburn, or Texas A&M? Well, let's take a look at that, uh, Ryan, and go through uh, game by game what we're looking at. Now, Auburn, of course, recently suffered a, a loss of running back with Jovan Robinson being out for the year. They still haven't named their starter. I'm hoping John Franklin III wins a job, lives up to his reputation, giving him mobility out of the position. If that's the case, they'll have a much improved offense. The defensive line is solid. They've got one of the better defense lines in the country with Carl Lawson, Montrevious Adams, and Dontavious Russell. And uh, when you look at Auburn this year, I've got them an underdog home against Clemson, home against LSU, at Ole Miss, at Georgia, at Alabama. So you're looking at seven. They probably will pull an upset or two this year. That's why I picked them uh, fourth in the West, which is pretty much higher than everybody else. But I'm probably looking in the seven, eight, nine range uh, for them. So seven on the low end, nine in the high end. When I look at Texas A&M, they're really the wild card team out there. You look at the overall talent they have. Their receiving core is one of the best in the country. Uh, they bring in a Keith Ford at running back. Trevor Knight's the, the big thing. It's Trevor Knight play like he did against Alabama. Or does he play like he did as the backup last year at Oklahoma, which wasn't very effective? I think he'll do good. They've got one of the better defensive lines in the country with defensive end Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall. A couple of strong defensive tackles this year. Even though they're young, they're both sophomores. I think Daylon Mack and Kingsley Kiki are two guys that are going to upgrade that rush defense. The secondary is solid. Uh, they're adding in the UCLA transfer and Priest Willis. And I thought that John Chavis did an excellent job last year in his first year as coordinator. Took him from allowing uh, 451 yards per game down to 380. I see more improvement again this year. But when you look at their schedule, they got to play Auburn on the road, Arkansas and Arlington, which is not going to be easy, Tennessee at home where they're going to be an underdog, even though they catch Tennessee at a good spot off of Florida, off of Georgia with Alabama on deck. They're going to be an underdog at Alabama, potentially at Mississippi State. Home to Mississippi, they are an underdog in Vegas right now, and home to LSU. Now, the talent's there where they could win those games, but there are a lot of question marks on the schedule. I guess the team that's got the least amount of question marks and the one I would project to have the best record, I'm going to go with the Utah Utes. And I love defensive lines. Got to, got to admit it right off the top, Ryan. And as much as I like A&M's defensive line, I really like Utah's defensive line this year. Uh, when you look at the talent they have, 
they have my number three rated defensive line in the country, Lowell, uh, Lotalele at uh, right defense tackle, Mocha Fisi, Fitz, Dimmick. They are loaded up front on that defense and a veteran secondary to go with it. So one of the better defenses in the country. Yes, they lose their quarterback, running back, and receivers, but I think they were all replaceable. The toughest loss is going to be Devontae Booker, but Joe Williams took over, started the last two games last year, and did well. He averaged... Um, on the season, 4.6 yards a carry. Booker averaged 4.7. They've got three good quarterbacks in Troy Williams, Brandon Cox, and Tyler Huntley battling out for the job. And then up front, the offensive line's a veteran group. And the one thing uh, Whittingham's been trying to do is add speed to the receiver position the last three years. I think he has added that in this year. Now, I have them a slight underdog at home against USC. At UCLA, I have a dog. And at Arizona State, I have a dog. I've got some toss-up games on the schedule. But of the three teams, if I was picking one that's going to have the highest win total this year, I'm going to go with the Utah Utes. I think they've got the schedule and the talent to get to the highest win total. And at this point, I'm going to put a bow on this first-ever podcast here on philsteel.com. Not too bad for a first-time effort. I can see a lot of improvement in the future. What we're going to do in the future is open up some some, uh, Twitter questions. You can uh, tweet us in and then may even take it live and put it live right there on philsteel.com what i'd like you guys to do after listening to the podcast today hey give me your suggestions how can we improve i'm always about improving you remember that first magazine we put out in 1995 black and white on newsprint you go all the way today from 198 pages to 352 all about getting better each and every time so feel free to tweet me out do you have a time that you think fits better maybe a wednesday afternoon a wednesday night wednesday morning you pick the time tell me what you'd like to hear on on the podcast and uh, maybe if we go live it'll be pretty good as well so i had a lot of fun talking with uh i'd like to thank each and every one of the callers that called in today members of the first ever podcast and we'll be doing this each and every week during the preseason right now there's only three weeks left college football starts pretty soon and then every week during the season also like to thank my producer jim for screening the calls today setting everything up he'll be on board with you all season long get to know jim uh, he'll be the guy that gets you on the air and off the air in the best amount of time. So once again, thank you very much for listening to the Phil Steele first ever podcast. And I'll be back with you next week with podcast number two.